0: All right. It is my pleasure to introduce my guest today. He is Timothy Chen. Tim is currently a counselor at the UCI Counseling Center. The Counseling Center offers psychological counseling free of charge to all UCI students. It is located next to the Career Center and across Ring Road from the Student Center. Counseling services are available Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 p.m. Please give a warm cyber welcome to Tim. Welcome, Tim. How are you today?
1: Doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin.
0: You're very welcome. Well, the stage is yours, Tim. Please tell us all about the Counseling Center and how students can utilize your services. Sure.
1: Uh, As you've said, the Counseling Center provides free services to any UCI student. Its primary focuses are individual therapy, but they also offer, we also offer, group therapy, couples therapy, outreach services, consultation on mental health concerns, and urgent care. So if you ever feel like you might need help with mental health issues, we are there for you. And I always joke around that uh, you're already paying for it with your student fees, so if you don't take advantage, you're throwing money away. When does a student typically know when they should come in? You know. W- so that's a very individualized question, but I think in general, when your mental health concerns are disrupting your normal functioning. Now normal can be defined in a variety of ways, but when it's disrupting your normal functioning such as your ability to perform academically, your social functioning, or other some other big important part of life functioning, then you know that it might be time to come see us.
0: And on average, when the student comes in, typically will students come in for one session, a few sessions, a lot of
1: sessions? Sure. So typically students are seen between six and eight sessions and then they decide that they are finished with therapy. Now, officially we don't have any uh, session limit. We will see a student until Uh, it is appropriate or safe for them to finish up therapy. However, after a certain amount of time with a student, we start considering, hmm, would it be better served, or would the student be better served by seeing an individual therapist out in the community? So oftentimes, we also also make referrals um, if the student's needs might be best served with an individual therapist in the community. But typically, um, repeating, students are generally seen between six and eight sessions.
0: So are they seeing individual counselors at the student center? Like what distinguishes whether to go to a therapist outside in the community versus UCI counseling center? So one thing is we are
1: time-limited therapy as opposed to out there in the community might be more open-ended. Meaning, so one of the things that uh, for time-limited therapy, we can focus on things that have, or focus on symptom reduction. For example, if there is an acute episode of depression or anxiety, something that's come up recently, contextually based because of recent stressors, we might consider seeing them at the UCI Counseling Center. However, if it's more open-ended or if it's been a long time coming, something they've dealt with for a long time, mm. then we might consider, hmm, do we have enough time in our time-limited model to meet the student's needs? Also, the subject of the particular uh, or the reason the person is coming in can also change that distinction or, or our decision right there. For example, if a person is coming in with relational issues, something they have conflict with their close loved ones, their friends, something that seems like it's been there for a little bit, then we might make the consideration or decision to transfer them to an outside therapist.
0: What originally brought
1: you to this field? So uh, I'm originally from the San Gabriel Valley, the 626 for any of you out there, <laughs> and i I am, when I grew up, I was surrounded by Asian folks, and I was not exposed at all to mental health services. Now, I went to San Marino High School, 72% Asian, came to UCI for my undergrad, 50% Asian, and all through that time, I didn't hear about anybody seeking mental health services. And I know this was a need, because I grew up around these people, so I saw that was yeah. a very visible need, mm-hmm. but it was not being addressed in my community. So one of my big driving forces was trying to provide this vital service for the people in my community. And of course there's a personal piece there with my family and friends and people I saw around me who were suffering. And there was this huge stigma in the Asian American community that stopped people from seeking services because of they might feel ashamed, they might feel weak. They might feel like they weren't good enough, they weren't strong enough to handle their issues on their own. Mm-hmm. So one of my big things is trying to reduce that stigma, trying to show people from my community and other Asian folks that it is okay to seek mental health services. And part of it is me just, frankly, being Asian in, on the Therapist couch. And hopefully, with more people going to therapy and then more Asian folks on the other side in the therapist chair as well, the stigma is reduced and more people can talk about their issues. And of course, it snowballs from there. Do you
0: feel like that you have? I know there's a lot of different areas of psychology. Do you approach it from a certain area? That's a great question.
1: Yes. There are a lot of what we call theoretical orientations or styles of therapy and I like that you asked that because I really want to encourage the students out there and whoever is listening that the first therapist you go to may not be the right fit for you based on your personality, their personality, their style of therapy. So if you feel like it's not the right fit, maybe try to find another therapist. And if you come to the UCA Counseling Center and it's not the right fit, you can switch to another therapist. Now the caution is of course, if you keep switching therapists, maybe it's time to look inside to see what's going on there. But the first couple, makes sense. You won't find the perfect therapist right away. That was a little bit of a tangent, but going back to the original question, I would say classically there's been two big camps, or a couple big camps, but a couple of them include the psychodynamic theories, the CBT theories, the humanistic theories. So if you think about psychodynamic as a little more past-focused, thinking about how your family history or your past experiences influence uh, how you relate today. The CBT is a little more present-focused, and CBT means cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a little more present focused on trying to understand how the interaction between your thoughts, your emotions, and your behaviors influence each other and influence your behavior to uh, result in a particular sort of action. So the therapist might then try to either change how you're thinking about yourself, change how you are behaving, and that in turn might change your thoughts. It's all one big cycle in, in CBT. There are a bunch of other theories related, such as systems um, that deal with families and think about uh, how you are connected to other people and how you interact with those people, create a system. For example, you might influence your friend in a way that uh, results in them affecting you in a different way. And that system is kept like a thermostat in a, what is it called again, homeostasis, because that's how you two interact. That's a very brief breakdown, and there are so many sub, 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 of theoretical orientations. But those are the big three that are that most therapists would probably Uh, be aware of. For me personally, I think I work most functionally in therapy, probably psychodynamically and probably also a little systems-wise. I try to think about how family systems play, make an impact on who you are. And the great training that I received at the UCI Counseling Center has also opened me up to different types of therapy, including exposure therapy, which is taking of something that somebody fears, for example, people with social anxiety might fear social situations, and exposing them to that in vivo, meaning in real life, in field sessions. So we might go walk around the campus and do tasks such as saying hello to strangers.
0: Wow. I will say as president of Zotspeak Toastmasters that I relate to facing your fears in terms of public speaking. It doesn't seem natural to stand up in front of a group of people. And it has been very rewarding for me to do that. So I've learned a lot about myself and it's been a journey that I found very rewarding. Have you seen psychology, particularly at the university level, change over the course of your studies and where we are today, maybe versus 15 years ago? So because I've been at UCI, this is my internship year for
1: the past year, I can't speak to 15 years ago exactly for my own personal experiences, I should say. But from what I understand, the acuity in the counseling centers has increased nationwide. What I mean by acuity is the severity of issues that present. From what I understand, previously, the counseling centers focused mostly on relationship issues, academic struggles, things like that. But now the acuity has risen to the point where it's often we're thinking about depression and risk, suicide, suicidal ideation, maybe planning. So nationwide counseling centers are on more high alert compared to previous. And that's been a shift. Now there are a lot of reasons and theories that people have as to why this is happening, and I won't go into them now, but this is something that has been noticed and I want to repeat this, nationwide and not just at the UCI Counseling Center.
0: How has there been uh, you know, a, a more of a sensitivity to suicide mm. and, and more, uh, maybe more crisis management? Is, is it just the nature of, is it being more sensitive to your patients or clients, or is it literally, you no, know, our clients have been making it very obvious to us? That's a good question. And that's
1: a potential theory. There's an interaction there. So on one hand, we are doing a much better job of spreading the news of mental health services, of therapy and the benefits of all that. So of course, when we do that, more people are willing to take up our offer and utilize the services here. So that's definitely one piece. And because we are able to convince more people to come in, the severity that we recognize, well, the people who might not have come in previously because they thought they were unhelpable, they now feel like, okay, it's safe to come in, I'm going to go talk to a therapist. So that's definitely one piece. The other piece is there might be the population as a whole. I can't make that distinction and I don't want to make any claims, but Um, To say it's just us with our outreach that has um, increased the utilization of services, I'm not sure that's fair to say either. There has been a shift, I think, in the uh, student population as well but that's an unsubstantiated claim, and we try to be scientific as much as we can. Thank you.
0: Excuse me for a minute, Tim. If you have joined us late, I'm speaking with Tim Chen, a doctoral intern from the UCI Counseling Center. Tim originally received his undergraduate degree from here at UCI, his master's from Pepperdine, and he will receive his doctorate next month from the University of Denver. As a counselor, he is very interested in Asian and men's psychology and couples therapy. Tim, can you talk a little bit about men's Psychology Is it similar to maybe this Asian stigma or can you expand on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That is another big interest of mine because you're right, that's similar to the stigma that Asian Americans or Asians feel about mental health. Primarily for men, it's the idea that we are not allowed by our social conditioning to experience or express emotions. Oftentimes what we're allowed emotionally is very narrow. We're allowed anger occasionally. Mm-hmm. We're allowed sadness maybe once in a while. But beyond that, we might be called names or people might make fun of us or think we're overly emotional. Or So the issue with men coming into mental health receive therapy is that they don't want to make that true. They believe that mental health services are for the people who are overly emotional or uh, who might not be able to handle their issues on their own. And because of that, they don't seek the services when they probably should because they are afraid of being seen as weak. They are afraid of being seen as emotional. And because that builds upon itself. For example, if you don't know any men, if you're a man, you don't know any men that are going to therapy, it's probably a little less likely you're going to go. And if you do go it's probably a little bit less likely you're going to talk about it. Mm. And that further perpetuates the idea that men don't go to therapy and then you're going to feel more and more alone, like no one else has any problems. So it's an issue that builds upon itself. And that's why, for me, talking about this kind of stuff, talking about men and mental health is a huge and important need in the community of men, um, but particularly in the community of Asian American men who have that double whammy of being Asian and being a man one story that I've told some other people is that in my time at UCI, it took me, so I started in August, and it took me until probably January approximately to see my first Asian American male client. Now, if you think about UCI, it's approximately 50% Asian. Mm-hmm. Approximately half of that are men. So you would expect, just by the numbers, for me to have seen about one-fourth of my clients should have been men. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happened at all, and I would estimate less than 10% for sure. I'm not sure if I'm willing to venture less than 5%, but maybe less than 5%. Now, that's a big drop-off, and that just goes to show you the impact of these stigmas on people's willingness to seek mental health services. It's a big problem, and the more we talk about it as Asian Americans, the more we talk about it as men, the more that people will
0: find the help they need very good and and couples counseling certainly there's a lot of people in relationships here at uci how do you approach that are, are the couples actually coming into you or is it you know one or the other so couples counseling is
1: definitely a little more rare at the uci counseling center just because the nature of our population is generally undergraduate so the couples i've seen are have generally been in the graduate level how i work with couples is i try to help couples each member of the couple understand and empathize with the position of their partner. What is called emotionally focused couples therapy, which tries to get at the underlying emotion that a person might be feeling, but not projecting forward. Let me give you an example. When a couple gets into a fight, one member of the couple might become angry, defensive, upset, and the other couple under member of the couple might withdraw, might hide, might not want to engage, to because they don't want to feel the heat of the anger that's being presented. So my job there is to first help each member identify what's going on underneath their behavior or their presenting emotion, what we call their secondary emotion. For the angry partner, we think about what's underneath that anger? What's underneath that criticism that that person is giving out? Mm -hmm. So one common thing under anger is just feelings of inadequacy, feelings of not being good enough, Mm -hmm. feelings of, geez, I wonder if this person still loves me. Mm. And if we get to that, that's much easier and more palatable compared to the anger that the other partner is experiencing. Now go to the withdrawing partner, that person might be pulling back, might not be wanting to engage, but what's happening there for them? Similarly, feelings of inadequacy, feelings of not being good enough, because that criticism that coming in, they just don't want to feel that, so they pull away. But if you think about it in the system's perspective, what is happening when one person pulls away, the person who is angry feels like, I'm being left, I have to chase, I have to chase. And then the person who's pulling away is like, why are they coming on this strong? I'm just, this is too much for me, I have to Mm -hmm. hide. And they withdraw even more, and the cycle perpetuates that way. So the best way to deal with relationship problems, in my opinion, is to get to the underlying feelings the vulnerabilities that we all try to hide. And then from there, hopefully, each partner is able to feel a certain amount of empathy, which will reduce the anger, which will reduce the withdrawing,
0: and hopefully results in engagement. Very good. In terms of students coming to the students or the counseling center, is there better times than others to
1: come in. Thank you for helping out our students with that <laughs> question. Yes, there are definitely times when it would be, there would be a, or there are a shorter wait list. So for example, right now in the summer, we are relatively low load. So if you are coming back in the fall or if you are taking summer courses and you've had an interest in this, this might be a good time to come in and see us without a long wait or a wait at all other times you want to consider are in the beginnings of quarters or in the early mid portions of a quarter as opposed to the end of quarters students out there you know that you get stressed when it comes to week 10 finals week and we get a crush of students coming in at that time and that's fine we're prepared we are equipped we will handle it but at the same time the wait list at that time definitely gets bigger and longer and there might be a four week wait at max but generally our students are seen are on the wait list for approximately one week or less now in the summer much less so just want you to uh, be aware make the decision that's right for you obviously if you don't need to come in you don't need to come in but if you have the option to come in at a time when it's less impacted
0: I encourage you to make that choice thank you Tim, in your studies over the years, what has been your personal discovery of yourself through your study? Sure.
1: So one of the things that every program in therapy and psychology generally encourage is for someone to take on their own personal therapy. So Mm. for me, taking on that personal therapy allowed me to have a greater understanding of myself, allowed me to deal with some of the things that I struggled with through out my time at in the 626 all the way to University of Denver and really helped me to identify some of the recurring patterns set in relationships that I really had difficulty with. So for me, one of the biggest discoveries I made in grad school by the grad school's encouragement was through personal therapy. So therapy has been extraordinarily helpful because therapy, conducting therapy, is an intensely personal experience. You're building a relationship with somebody. And if I don't know what's my tendencies, my patterns, then that might start to creep into the therapy room. And that might start to change the nature of therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And I don't want it to be about me. And it shouldn't be about me. So if I'm noticing that stuff creeping in, I need to be aware of that so to not let it impact the client. And this is why I also think that I also want to talk about this experience because for me, talking about me being not only a therapist but in the therapy chair reduces the impact of the stigma that we've touched on already. I'm an Asian dude. I've been in therapy. I'm a therapist. And I want people out there who are thinking about going but are worried about what other people might think about them, who are worried about, oh, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I can deal with it. Maybe. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too weak to think about doing this. No, I want you to go out there and know that other people, just like you, are seeking services. They're finding about themselves or learning about themselves, and they are strengthening their relationships. And every day they are progressing to who they want to be.
0: Excellent. In your work, and this is a little odd, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you? Does anything come to mind? It's like, you know, it was going this way, and I never saw this coming, and it was just funny. Oh, gosh. <laughs> See, the difficulty with this
1: question for a therapist is, there is confidentiality. I thought that might be the case. There's confidentiality here, which prevents me from saying much. So I'm thinking more back to my graduate school experiences or even my experiences here. So nothing in particular comes to mind, but I'm just, and I'm trying to avoid specifics. But I'm trying to think of the times when, so UCI is a relatively, well, not relatively, it's a large campus, it's a large school, but you spend enough time here and you start meeting people in other contexts. Mm. So for me, without having any identifying information at all. When I meet a client out of the context of therapy that's always an interesting experience because there's a little of a dance that goes on there. So I'm not allowed to say hello, obviously, because then other people might know, oh, this person goes to therapy with Tim. So I might catch eye contact and then I might make eyes, but then I kind of try to avoid eye contact. And then I'm trying to like, okay, are they looking at me? Are they looking at me? <laughs> because I don't want to be rude either, right? Right. So if they're right. looking at me, if they're trying to say hello to me, then I want to say hello back. But let's say that happened. Let's say that awkward dance goes on and then uh, they make eye contact and they say, oh, hi, Tim and I say, oh, hi, person. <laughs> and then we have to think about, okay, now how much of a conversation am I going to have? And I can't lead that conversation so I have to let them lead and say as much as they want to say. Sure. And then I have to be like, okay, um, do I want to continue this? Do they want to continue this? And it's yeah. a lot of thought that goes into a situation that probably lasts 15 seconds. Uh-huh.
0: And it all works out. <laughs> it all end. works yeah. out in the end. Well, that being said, Tim, this is a perfect time. We Unfortunately, we're out of time, but I wanna thank you for coming today, explaining the services of the Counseling Center, some of your motivations, and thank you for the work that you do for the UCI community and for all of us human beings out here.
1: Thank you so much, Kevin. You were a great interviewer and really put me at ease. You could make a great therapist, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. It could be a wow moment for me. Thanks, Tim. Thanks so much. You're welcome.